HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to the Grape Nation on the road on the Heritage Radio Network. We are in Norwalk, Connecticut, as part of Norwalk Now Crush Week at Washington Prime. We're talking to Tony Gagliardo from Northeast Wine Brokers. Tony, welcome to the Grape Nation. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, so Tony, you're a wine guy up here, but give me a little background on how you got to where you are. You know, which is at Northeast Wine Brokers. And then we'll talk about what that is and what you're doing. Got it. Okay. Well, a lot of it was happenstance. <laughs> I, was, I was an IT guy, and I always bartended okay. on the side two, two nights a week. Um, and found myself on vacation. I was bartending with this guy who was with a big wine distributor, Constellation Brands. I'm sure you know that. Huge. They own all the, all the major brands. So... I was on vacation in Mexico, of all places, and came upon a restaurant called Barolos. So I went inside. Where in Mexico? It was in Cancun. Cancun. Yeah, I was right. with a girlfriend at the time. We were there. Okay. We, uh, I love Mexican food, but we just decided to check this, part, this restaurant out as part of our resort. And I went inside, and I started looking at the wine list, and there was not a single Barolo on the list. And the place was called Barolo. It was called Barolo's. So uh, (laughs) we said something to the waiter who barely understood English, and he went over and he said, un momento, and went over to a display case and grabbed a bottle of wine and brought it back to our table and sat it down, and it had my last name on it. Wow. Gagliardo. That was the name of the wine? It was. Okay. So it was one of the only Barolos that they had. So, of course, we had to order a bottle. And long story short, when I got back to the United States, uh, this fellow that I bartended with says, you know, you should distribute that wine. And at the time, I had a job, and I didn't think much of it. But as years went on, I was with a dot-com that closed, and I was laid off. And I said, huh. Did that idea sit in your head? It was always there. It was there, right, yeah. And I said, maybe I ought to distribute that wine. And, you know, we found the importer, and we brought in samples, and ended up, that's how we ended up in the wine business, me and a partner at the time who was also an IT girl. So, What's funny is a lot of people go to in- France or Italy. They go into the countryside, whether it's the Loire, languedoc Roussillon, Alto Pomonte, and they bump into these wineries where there's no representation. Right. The idea that you were in Mexico... <laughs> tried an Italian walked wine. into a restaurant called Barolo. <laughs> they didn't really have one. 
they finally pulled one out that in, sort of inspired you to become a you know a wine broker distributor. That's the craziest story I ever heard. Yeah, it's funny how it happened, but. All right, so what happens? You, you get the bug and you start looking into what to do to build a business? Yes, exactly right. So I was with a, um, a girl who's a marketing director for Gartner, um, and we ended up partnering up, and we found a, a winery that was first in Connecticut, and we started representing their wines in Fairfield County. And it Made in Connecticut? It, well, some of the wines they made in Connecticut, okay. and other ones they... Had um, arrangements... Exactly. They had okay. contracts with vineyards out in Napa. They brought the young wine back and barrel-aged and bottled it here. Anyway, <clears throat> so it got us into the accounts. It got us meeting restaurant owners and store owners. And um, But that's like the toughest sale. I mean, we're sitting here drinking a Silver Oak. I mean, you'd love to be the Silver Oak rep. It's like, hey, how much Silver Oak you want? You're talking about Connecticut wine? I mean, that's a bit of an arm twist. <laughs> it was difficult to sell. However, in Connecticut and in close proximity to the winery, it was not that bad. There was a lot of people that were okay. interested. Um, so that was your entree. That was our entree, and then you liked it. It's like let's build it. this out. And we realized so quickly how do you, that how we do could you grow it? on one winery. Okay, good idea. So uh, we started looking around online at trade shows, wine expos, things like that. You dug in for additional wineries to represent here in Connecticut. So with that in mind, did you have an idea of who and what, or were you in the mode of I'll take anything decent? Or did you have a style or type or size that you were interested yes. in as far as who you wanted to Not at represent? first, but then we realized quickly that there were certain regions um, that produced wines that we really liked. Like? And, well... For example, Alexander Valley for Cabernet. Sonoma. We like okay. Sonoma a lot. Dry Creek for Sauvignon Blancs and Zinfandels. Russian River for Chardonnays and Pinot Noirs. Um, a little bit of Napa, but Napa was a lot more commercial and didn't have that many of the smaller wineries that we were looking right. for. Right, and expensive. So, you know, on the one so hand, we, we had to find... taking trips out to California? We did, but <coughs> a lot of the wineries that we picked up at first were either... Um, with some phone calls that we made, or going to trade shows. Boston has a big wine right. expo. We went to that. Now, eventually, there was New York. Um, but at first, the wineries that we picked up were um, by phone calls. Then we started making trips Just give me there. a context. What year are we talking about now? So this is 15 years ago. 15 years ago. 2004. The infancy of Yeah, it was right thing. after 9-11, because okay. that's when, really, the Internet bubble kind of the tech was, thing just yeah, it fell apart. Tech as we knew it then. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So, <coughs> excuse me. You start traveling, targeting wineries, talking to people. Yes. And is it difficult? Well, believe it is or it not, there are a lot of wineries that are smaller that big distributors don't want because they just don't produce enough wine. So, you know, a lot of these guys are all about numbers and sales, and and if they can't produce enough wine to make it worth their while, they won't touch them. Unless right. it's got a name or some kind of well, that, yeah, prestige. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm Rob Moss, and I got this big, fancy, schmancy restaurant, and I love Zinfandel's. And you're coming in with stuff that I never heard of. I mean, you got to have a heck of a sales pitch. Correct, or the wine has to be good. Right. So you're curating, first of all, good wines. 
That's right? what we hope. Okay. Yeah, we're always looking for wines that over-deliver at their price point, whatever the price point may be. And um, what we'll do a lot of times is, if we're interested in a winery and everything looks good, we'll have them send us samples, and I'll take it around to some of my accounts, and I'll get a lot of feedback, and I'll say, you know, I'm looking to bring this wine in. It's going to be at this price. What do you think? You know, what does it sit next to on the shelf? And is it going to, is it going to hold its own? There's always going to be rejection. You know, people have enough, yep. you know, relationships. Whatever. No doubt. What are the biggest objections? You know, hey, you're a good guy. This is a pretty good wine, but. The biggest objections that I see are at a certain price point, customers are less willing to take a risk on a wine that they've never heard of. Unless it's got a point score or an endorsement from the proprietor, or that's what the world's come to. Yes, Shelf or they've talkers, been out points. there and they've seen the winery and they're interested. Right. You know, there has to be some kind of press or something to get them to try that bottle of wine. Are you at the point where you've been in business for a while? People know you're out there looking for these guys. Yes, they're a little more open to what do you got for me versus. Yes, you know. absolutely. I mean, first of all, there's a lot of people out there that want the specific stuff that I carry. They don't want to just carry all the big-name brands. Um, and it'll set them apart from big box stores that that's all they carry are big national brands. That's an important thing. So, exactly. So there's that. And, um, you know, they know me by now. Right. And they know I'm not going to bring them any garbage, right. I hope. Um, so you're competing against the biggest names in the business in the market true but everybody has a niche for smaller wines or you know they're open or relationships so that's how you get stuff in and i'll just say this too you're from doing restaurant retail restaurant and and, retail, and, right. and uh liquor stores yes wine shops uh mostly fine wine shops but um, versus like package you know just commodity yes okay all right let's talk about a few of your wineries Okay. Okay, sure. Um, let's talk about the first big guy you got. Let's okay. talk about one of your larger guys, and let's talk about one of your more interesting guys. Okay, we'll Take fine. any one of those. Okay, so one of the first wineries I ever brought in, and I've been with them ever since, is this winery called Mill Creek. Okay, okay where so and? It's in Dry Creek Valley. The Zin? winery has, they do make a Zinn. Okay. They have... 50 or so acres in Dry Creek and wow. another 45-acre ranch in Alexander Valley, where the winery owners live. Family-owned? Family-owned. Estate-grown? Estate-grown. Okay. Almost, almost all estate-grown. They contract a little? A little bit okay. of Zinn from a, from a vineyard right next to Ridge Litton Springs. Okay. But, <laughs> Pretty good But yeah, yeah, good neighbors. Good neighbors. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a good neighbor. So anyway, I started working with these guys – uh, my first vintage that I sold was 2001, and they've had the same... Not a bad vintage. Wine Better than 2000, <laughs> which sucked, <laughs> right? But you come to realize that the winemakers um, get better over time, and, right. the wine, and the vineyards get older, the wines, um, you know, they, they get to understand how to make the best wine from the vineyards that they have right. in any particular vintage. That, you know... But people ask me why I work with these the small... Bottling and the place, you know these small guys and it's like you know i call them up i get the winemaker he's also working in the vineyards well they're farmers he's a farmer yeah he sits they're, out they're in his vineyard at four o'clock in the morning in case it doesn't get too cold for the budding right. grapes you know right 
So you're dealing with family vineyards, smaller. Yes, for the most part. These guys make 10,000 cases a year or less. Um, Give me, so that's your first. Who's who's a big case guy that you deal with? Okay, one of the bigger ones is a winery called Halter Ranch. Okay, where? They're in Paso Robles, California. Oh, so you're out of the Sonoma area. They're out of Sonoma. They're in Central Coast. Okay. Okay, so Paso Robles is down around Santa Barbara. But the, the winery sits right next to Justin. Justin is the right, big Paso Robles winery that everybody knows. Right. And years ago, Justin Winery was sold. And when they got sold, the winemaker from, from Justin that made them famous with Isosceles, Isosceles and all their right. cabs, he left and he makes the wines for Halter Ranch now. Oh, so they have some good thoroughbred there. Correct. And they had been, Justin had always been buying grapes from. Halter Ranch's property. What kind of uh, case output do they have? 35,000. Okay. They're going to so get up to 35,000. They're big and there. good. They're big and good. Now, what's the most interesting, funky, cre- I, I think you have a guy that makes Gewurztraminer, right? I do. I have one guy. That's crazy. Who is of Thai I mean, Rob, descent. you got a lot of Gewurz out there. <laughs> but he also makes Carignan-based blends, and, right. um, and he's the one that I mentioned was a natural winemaker. So he doesn't own any vineyards. He, up until recently, didn't even own a winery. He was using custom crush facilities. But he sources from specific vineyards that he likes that are dry farmed, organic, or sustainable. And he tries to make the best wines that he can without going over the top with the oak and right. you know additives Which and everything th- th- else. That's he, been more of a trend lately. He tries lately. to let the grapes speak for themselves. That's more of a trend. Um, so if people... You know, I, I have importers and distributors on every now and then because it's an interesting part of the business. Um, but if people want to find out more about the wines, I guess the best thing is not really to go to your website, although you can because it lists all. You can. And that's Northeast Wine Brokers, right? Yes, and, and it shows who yeah. you represent and right. all that. And there's stories behind everything. All right, Tony. We have to subject you to our wine list. Oh, no. Same okay. questions for everybody. Okay. you got to buzz through this. Don't yep. dwell on it. So you're always looking for new wineries, wine. So what are you drinking now? What's, what's in your sights now? Well, I should mention that I have a partnership with a distributor that carries a more global wine list. Okay. So I'm, I'm not specifically... Talk about what we talked to, right? You know, I, lo- I love specific areas of California. Right now, I found a grape called Catarato from Sicily. It's an Italian Spell it. white. C-A-T-A-R-A-T-T-O. Catarato from Sicily. From it's Sicily. a white. It's a white. It's a gorgeous wine. Give me a maker or two, or somebody you're trying okay, to do. Okay, the um, the brand is called Abisso. I wasn't here to plug any brands, but no, no, Abisso, I know. I'm pulling it out of you. Spell Abisso. A B I S S O. Never heard of it. Sounds no, you great. Would, you Sounds great. And, and really, I just found it in our portfolio. And um, that answer is so good that singularly <laughs> we'll take that. Okay. <laughs> Fine. What about your favorite wine and food pairing? You ever go back to the same thing, or just something tastes good? Uh, wow, that's a good question. You know, it's hard to uh, not pair like a, a good cab with a steak. But I also classic am not answer. Af- I'm not afraid. That's to kind of the pussy way out, like champagne and oysters, <laughs> steak and cat, which is great though. But that's okay. But wait, what did you just say? 
I am not afraid to pair a red wine with a fish. I love a Pinot Noir with like a hearty fish. Perfect. Um, because it has the balance. It's a little lighter, yeah. but it's mm -hmm. got the body. All right. Um, favorite wine restaurant or bar around the area? Somebody who does it well, selection, good people. Without leaving anyone out or incriminating, can you name one or two? Right. Yeah, well, hmm. It's Let's say Washington Prime for starters. Washington Prime for Give sure. Give me one other. For sure. Well, I love this restaurant in Wilton called The Schoolhouse. Schoolhouse in Wilton? I great wine program? They have a great wine program. Okay. It's pretty eclectic, but because it's so small, they get you to try these kind of off-the-beaten-track wines without, love that. Having, without having to push them. Love that. All right, last question, and you should nail this. And if you don't, I'll embarrass you. Best wine around 15 20 bucks, red and white. Like I said, you can give me a grape. You can give me a region. You can give me a brand. You can give me your stuff. Okay. But you're sending somebody out to buy wine I think that's somewhat accessible. For me? Yeah. I think you should look to Spain for a look, good value wine. I, I think like there's that. still a lot of great values coming out of out – of, um, Spain, you know, Rioja, you have uh, Galicia for the whites. So Spain is a country, Rioja, Tempranillo yep. grape, Galicia. Chile, which, Argentina. Which some Albarino. Great okay. value wines coming from down there. All right, so give me a red. A Chilean cat? Earth First Malbec. Okay, give me a white. You said Spain, you said Albarino, you got anybody in mind? Sure, one that we're doing at the Global Wine Dinner tonight. It's called Fefinianes. Okay. De Fefinianes I'll, I'll post this on our social media, because so, nobody's going to know what Fefinianes means. No. So I'll post all of that. No, it's the oldest Albarino producing winery in Spain. Okay. And Spain is really where, where uh, Albarino really started. Um, all right, great job on that. Great recos. Like I said, we'll post those. Tony Gagliardo from Northeast Wine Brokers. I want to thank you for joining us on The Grape Nation. Thank you, Sam. At the um, Norwalk Now Crush event. Thank you very year. much. It was fun. Thank, thank you. you.